another successful Sports Deli Podcast. Let's hit it. Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table, especially our next incredible guest. So grab your favorite deli sandwich or bagel and your favorite beverage, and let's do this together in the Sports Deli. We're so excited to welcome our 29th professional women's basketball player today on this first day of Women's History Month. A true trailblazer, a gym god, and an acclaimed motivational speaker and retired associate professor and women's basketball coach at Miami-Dade Community College, Susan Summons. She played in the BNBL, the Boston Neighborhood Basketball League, where she won six MVPs growing up. She served our country in the Army, and afterwards she attended Roxbury Community College, where she played basketball, and then transferred to Lamar University. She forfeited her senior year to go play professionally in the original W, the WBL, the Women's Basketball League, And it's a good thing she did, as you will find out why, and the rest of the story, later. She was drafted in the third round by the New Jersey Gems in 1981, and was one of the first African-American women's professional basketball players in the history of the United States. She had an incredible vertical leap at 5'9", and a mean crossover. And like me, she loved the Isaiah Thomas stutter step move, And we will find out at the end of the show, in our very famous Rapid Fire, this or that segment, if she would choose Zeke or Wardell if she had a choice. She didn't care about the conditions as she would practice in the sun, wind, sleet, rain, or snow. And she always loved Lisa Leslie's quote about, you can be a lady off the court, but on the court, you must be a beast. She worked at the police department for a brief stint. She's a six-time Hall of Famer. Yes, you heard me correctly. Six-time Hall of Famer, including being inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame as a WBL Trailblazer in 2018. She's worked with USA Basketball on several occasions. She knows Crystal Robinson very well, who was not only on our show, but arrested in the middle of our show, and whose book, Finding Myself, you should read. Susan is one of the top black business leaders in the country. As will be obvious to you very shortly, she's an international motivational speaker. She was voted one of the top 100 most influential educators in the world. She loves to motivate and inspire young girls around the world. She's one of six sisters and one brother, the youngest of seven. And she shares a birthday with the late Chadwick Boseman, Russell Wilson, Don Cheadle, and she was born the same year as, listen to this, I'm only going to name a couple, Vin Diesel, Jimmy Kimmel, some dumbass that a Green Bay quarterback listens to about medical advice, Monique, Vanilla Ice, Faith Hill, Kurt Cobain, Jamie Foxx, Julia Roberts, Pamela Anderson, Will Ferrell, Anderson Cooper, Nicole Kidman, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Neon Dion Sanders. Incredible. And you can find her, among other places, at Susan Summons. That's 
Susan is S-U-S-A-N, summons plural, S-U-M-M-O-N-S, speaks. Susan summons speaks.com. Man, now that was something amazing. Susan, welcome to the Sports Daily Podcast, where everyone deserves a seat at the table, especially the women of the original W. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's let's go. Let's have some fun. Oh, absolutely. I see the oh. necklace is matching the shirt and you got the earrings on the first day of Women's History Month. Like, oh, man, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you got the How ring. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm fired up after uh, Joanne McCauley yesterday and you today. Wow, what what a back to back. Yeah, that that's definitely a, a back to back and almost a trifecta. You had Rosie Walker. Oh my gosh. And, and absolutely. So, yeah. As far as Rosie goes, I'm trying to help her. You know, I found out about her injury. And I've reached out to a couple of uh, lawyers and uh, I'm, I'm waiting to hear back. But I mean, she she's gotten a raw deal. Really? Yeah, you'll have to. Uh, I had her information, um, but send me an email. Yeah. So I can reach out to her and um, maybe put her in touch with a couple of other people that. It's ridiculous. They, yeah, it's. And it's a racial issue. So there's that part of it, which I, <laughs> I mean, I, I just won't stand for it if there's that component to it, because it's just ridiculous. Breaking up a fight as a teacher and 12 years later, she's got nothing for it. You know, there's, we always try to, as educators, we talk about this. Yep. Every day we, you know, we have these controversial conversations about keeping politics out of sports. That's difficult. Keeping politics out of higher education, keeping racism out of sports. Yeah. Racism is everywhere. We go to sleep with it. We wake up with it. It has existed since the early times. Well, yeah, but but it's it's more of a white issue now in terms of the vibration and the awareness that I think shifted after George Floyd. But um, I mean, it. It does take a village, but it, it takes white people to get their heads out of their asses and to really realize that racism is codified in law and the laws were made by white people, bylaws and everything in between were made by white people for white people. And so that aside from people's views still in sports and outside of sports is why we continue to have white privilege and a lack of progress as fast as we would like. Well, education is always paramount. Paramount. And, and the more that you can educate people, white people, as you paraphrase, Absolutely. I'll paraphrase and use yours, the more that we can educate them or re-educate them from that process and reverse that process, that you have described that has existed for centuries historically and has been the basis of, of why there's a level of racism, a level of discrimination, a level of the good old boys club yeah. that exists currently still across the nation and in the globe still. Yeah. So, you know, the, on the first day of Women's History Month, you know, the women of the WNBA, which you have a picture over your left shoulder is, you know, something that has always been at the forefront, not only women at the table, 
Um, but you know, life is better in a lot of ways, but we just, you know, have to realize that there's a long way to go. And if you look at other spaces that have made progress, um, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, you know, there are other spaces that have made progress and gotten reparations. And for some reason, there's continuous pushback. And like you said, the good old white boy network that does not allow things politically or not to move in a direction that consciously and deliberately creates equitable opportunities for everyone. Well, one of the interesting points is really trying to embrace and understand the whole concept. And I like to just switch modes and reference national disasters. They don't discriminate. That's national disasters don't care what color your skin is. A national disaster just wipes you out. As does cancer. It's terminal. And there have been major changes, certainly, when we look at women in leadership roles, CEOs, Fortune 500 companies, women's sports, gender equality. But we still have to continue to climb the hill. And it is an upward battle. And from your perspective, from my perspective, when I was growing up as a kid, I never really was the type of person, human being. I wanted to be looked at as a human being. I didn't want to be looked at as a black woman or an African-American woman. I would like to just say, I got that job because I was the better person, not because I was an African-American woman or not because you were filling a quota. Because we like to talk about real things on your show the basis of your show is anti-racism and equality, but that encompasses and can embrace so many other paradigms as it relates to both of those concepts. When I was growing up, there were no opportunities for women, no opportunities for women in sports. I went into the military when I came out of high school because my family was poor. My mom needed my help. There was no place for me to go. I, I didn't get into college. I didn't have high SAT scores. I wanted to go to UCLA. I loved UCLA. That was my dream university, but I just couldn't master the SATs or ACTs. So I went an alternative route, which was the community college. And I'm a community college advocate. As you know, there are many WNBA players and NBA players that took the route of being a community college graduate, still going through the door, just a different door to arrive at the same destination. As educators in this global bubble that we have that still persist with the level of racism, a level, level of hatred, there's more to achieve when there's love involved, when there's respect involved, when there's humility involved for your fellow man. I can't tell you the number of moments that I've experienced as an African-American woman in this country, in the US, where I felt I was attacked or followed up with or had comments that were made that made me feel like, well, wait a minute, are we in the United States? Are we in America? Home of the brave, equal rights, fairness, and people are calling you names. I always say it starts from the top though. Kids are not born with that concept. We don't wake up with that concept in mind. But there have been many different moments as a player, 
as a high school kid, as a college player, as a professional player, as a professional, that I have experienced moments that I thought, is this still going on? This is still happening. It hasn't gone anywhere. And then you have a catastrophic global crisis incident happen like George Floyd. And now that same medical disease, that horrific disease that's terminal, that creates anger, surfaces and resurfaces at a global level, but it never went anywhere. What's your most recent experience with racism? Interesting. Uh, One of my most recent experiences, I was in a grocery store and I was in line shopping and I was in a rush to sign for 10 items only. I knew it. (laughs) But the manager knew me and they had beckoned to me. No worries. I got in line. There were two other people in line and and they were waiting. I guess they got a little impatient and I heard them talking. I thought they're not talking to me. They can't possibly be talking to me. It also happened to be a game day for me. So it was very important for me to maintain a level of focus that day in that moment. And they were having a conversation and I heard the word monkey. I heard the word go back to Africa. And I thought, I know they're not talking about me. They're probably just having some conversation about uh, uh, geographics. <laughs> and I turned around and I heard it again. And I turned around and the cashier was slow in ringing up my groceries. And I didn't want to miss anything. And I heard that conversation again. And I turned around and I said, um, I'm sorry, but you're not talking to me. And they had an accent and they said, yes, we're talking to you. You shouldn't be in this line. You should go back to Africa. And at that moment, I had to exercise the highest level of composure. And I didn't think it was relevant for me to lose my composure at that moment to turn and make a point. But I've experienced many other moments that are similar to that, some a little bit more tremendous than others. You know, if we look at the challenges that we face, and I consider racism another one of those challenges that we all face in different aspects. And I look at challenges and I try to simply try to convert those challenges or turn those challenges into opportunities of success, an opportunity to educate, an opportunity to teach and mentor, to try to be someone to help change the world, one person, one message, or one voice at a time. I don't wanna be a part of that problem, Mike. I wanna be a part of the solution. It's not easy turning the other cheek. When someone calls you something other than your name, it becomes offensive that generates and exacerbates a different level of emotion. So it's important. Unless they call you a gym god. Unless they, <laughs> unless they call you a gym god or a gym rat or town boy or hoopser or crossover. One of my nicknames is the right. stutter step. Yep. I invented the crossover before the WNBA came into existence in the WBL, before the WBL. I was crossing over in Tom Sanders, Don Nelson, NBA Boston Celtics basketball camp. And the crossover was deadly. It was breaking ankles. Cross you over, stop, come back and pull up the jumper. When I played the game, we didn't have the three point shot. Right. We didn't have it. So if I'm hitting 35 points on you, and there was no three-point shot, you know I had to really be balling 
to put up 35 points or 38 points with no three-point shot. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King had on the globe, and he brought forth and helped to change that mentality that you talked about in the beginning of the show. And it was less popular when he was alive. You look at the civil rights movement. You look at his assassination in 1968. You look at the assassination and you look at John F. Kennedy. I'm from Massachusetts. So my mentality is much different. And I grew up in a community in Brookline, Roxbury, Boston, JFK. I grew up around the Kennedys. I used to be a counselor at the Kennedy Special Olympic summer camps. And we modeled in the Kennedys. Let me jump in. I want to ask you a question. I've never asked this question before. And I've never asked the some I knew today was going to be just a whole different uh, vibe just because you're so passionate uh, and you treat everything as if it's the first time you've ever talked about it, which is one of your superpowers, which is not an easy thing to do because you've done a lot of interviews over your years and a lot of speeches, but you always come across as if this is the first time you've ever done something that you're so passionate about. But I just thought about this when you're in the middle of talking and sharing your thoughts, your passionate um, very moving thoughts. And everyone criticizes uh, the 45th president. I don't like to say his name for good reason. And maybe he's mentally ill, maybe he's not. But Ryan Harris came on this show, Super Bowl champion with the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. And he said that uh, he doesn't always necessarily criticize or shake his head he he asks the question why why is someone thinking that way why is somebody racist you know and it sort of changed my thinking after i had him on the show and so to that point the question i have is are you glad that the 45th president was voted in as the 45th president because it allows the conversation and the people that were in their rat holes to come out and now we can have open and honest conversations about what people are really feeling and thinking instead of, you know, having it suppressed and possibly taking longer to move in a direction that we, we need to move in. That's an interesting question. And I appreciate the kind words that you shared with my superpowers. Absolutely. And I know that that's not the only superpower you have. I believe I mentioned to you, everything starts from the top. You know that as a coach, as a teacher, I know that as an educator, as a teacher, as a coach, as a leader, we're both leaders. Going into this presidency, 45th, 45th presidency, along with George Floyd, along with a lot of other movements that occurred and trends, it really changed the face of this nation. It changed the way we look in the mirror. There's more violence that's occurring in the globe and in the world than ever before. And when everyone turned on the TV and saw the Capitol being horrifically raided, attacked. But I certainly wanna make sure that we understand the importance that sports in, in the midst of all of this violence, all of these political transformational movements that are happening, sports has always been a mainstay to help level the playing field across higher education, politics, and even violence. And people 
trying to work out their differences and forming better relationships and camaraderies and lasting relationships. We can also look at the impact of the pandemic at the same time of being in a presidential election and having a 45th president and having experiencing George Floyd and having experienced a national disaster and having, we can take all of those socioeconomic components that can affect one's mental wellness tremendously. We can take the concept of isolation during a pandemic. Yeah, you have a, a picture of Robin Williams on your Facebook page and a quote from Plato that says, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind always. Robin Williams, a tremendous comedian, but a tremendous actor. It's one of my favorite quotes. I have many. You know, when I read that, it was profound. And I had just said it to someone else. Everyone you meet is going through something, Mike. So be kind. You don't know if the words that you're sharing with them will not only change their life, but how about this one? Help them to keep their life. And what does your color of your skin have to do with anything in this circumstance? I'm not looking at the color of your skin. And sometimes when I'm on the phone, here's something that's interesting. I don't think everyone does not look at the color of people's skin, but I understand what you're saying. If you're listening to a story, then it transcends... Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes this happens. I could be on the phone. I'm talking to someone. They meet me and they have a certain look and they look at me like, oh, I thought you were white. Why? But you're African-American. Yes, (laughs) because you sounded white on the phone. What? So there are different moments and experiences that directly relate to racism and equality, gender equality, but I, I have never tried to put myself in a box when it comes to working with people, meeting people, dealing people, dealing with people, communicating with people. I love people. You know, I'm a former police officer, law enforcement. We bleed the same way, but I still also know the reality of where we're at still is that someone is going to look at me and see the color of my skin. I'm a Sagittarian. There <laughs> I want to share this. A hundred years ago, Martin Luther King, he cashed a check at the nation's capital, and he dreamed of all people standing together to be afforded the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if I didn't share this on this show today, then my last name wouldn't be Summons, and my first wouldn't be Susan, and I would not be able to embrace my purpose and calling. So I want to ask you about that. Because that's exactly what I was thinking about. You mentioned the military. You mentioned, you know, we haven't talked about coaching yet. You know, you talked about your police background. But I want to know, because there's a whole nature versus nurture argument when you talk about a lot of things. And so you know this better than anybody as an educator. But, you know, you played at a time, like you said, before women's and girls sports was supported. Title IX you know, 1972, as we approach the 50th anniversary of Title IX here on June 23rd. And, you know, we bet on women heavily on this show. And you played in the Boston Neighborhood Basketball League. And uh, you were supposed to go to a Jesse Owens track and field 
invitation camp or track meet, something of that nature. And, and you, you got the opportunity to go because of some very, a couple of very famous people invited you. And so, you know, today we're, we're learning the rest of the story, but um, talk about what it was like being a young um, African-American girl in Boston or Roxbury and, and how you navigated it and how, how did, how did you become so passionate about life and, and advocating for yourself and then, you know, paying it forward for so many years? Fascinating to me. I can recall traveling with my mother as a child on the train and bus to homes in the suburb where she would go and clean and scrub floors. And, and I remember mm -hmm. as a child standing there looking at that. And I would get this pain in my stomach. I didn't know and realize at that time that pain in my stomach in the middle of my belly, which I probably thought was a stomach ache, but it really wasn't. Because later what I realized, and these are, I'm describing life-changing moments for me as a child that have fueled my never-ending passion and never-ending fire to do incredible things, pay it forward, and be that role model or be that person that helps inspire others but later when I lost my mother, my brother and my father, the three different cancers, eight months apart, without a lot of time to grieve in between, mm. I felt that same pain in my gut. And that's when I really realized and I said all along, it's been a pain of ambition, passion, motivation, inspiration, perseverance, strength, and courage. Because I said I would never be in a position or have a job where I was gonna scrub anyone's floors, even if I had to work three jobs. I said, I would never be in a position where someone is gonna tell me to shut up. Why? Because I'm a black woman. And I'm a powerful woman that has a powerful voice and a powerful message to change humanity. And I'm not gonna allow anyone, no matter whom they are, to say, no, go in the corner. Well, the you corner. had a why, and so you were able to see it in other people. Absolutely, there's no question of why. There's no question about it. The why, I saw it in that person, I saw it in that person. You know, when Tom Sanders and Don Nelson from the NBA Celtics gave me that opportunity to go to the Don Nelson and Sash Sanders basketball camp when I could have went to Jesse Owens track meet because mm -hmm. I was a national track champion. I was a tremendous athlete. I would play volleyball, basketball, tennis, bowling. I, I did it all. Um, badminton, badminton. And so <laughs> it, it, was, it, it was at a time when there wasn't any scholarships for women. Right. I, I, I said, where am I gonna go? What, what can I do? I've got all this talent. I don't know what to do with it. There's nowhere to go. It was the AIAW, Title right. IX was in place. It, it was a terrible time. So I joined the army. And fortunately, while I was in the army, things transitioned mm -hmm. back home in Boston and Roxbury Community College was born. I'll say. And a little cathedral church that was vacant was used and donated from the county to house Roxbury Community College. And I got a call from my dear a coach at that time who was the BNBL coach 
Elfrida Harris. And I was a six-time Boston Neighborhood Basketball League MVP with nowhere to go, putting up 25, 29 points. I was the first women's professional basketball player, historically, out of Boston, out of Roxbury, before the WNBA in the WBL. Drafted third round, came back home, trained with Sash Sanders from the NBA Boston Celtics, got me ready for training camp. Did you play with the guys when you would go out and play I played straight with ball? the guys. There was no girls around when I was playing the game. <laughs> I, I wanted, look, Michael, back then when you played the game as a girl, if you wanted to be good, you had to play with the boys. You had hops too, right? Yes, I had hops. And <laughs> there wasn't any girls around. So I said, I'm playing with the boys. So I'd hit the playground. Well, you understood quickly. I, if you didn't win, you're waiting an hour and a half. Yes, you're waiting an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, and you're saying, you're standing there going, next. We all know exactly next. Oh no, hell no, I had next. Yeah, yeah. No, I had next. What? You, no. You, well, no. And and you know you're gonna get picked up. Okay. I always got picked up. Either I had next or I always got picked up. And I'm gonna drop 28 points on you. <laughs> it, it, that was the game. We, we played it with passion. We played it with fight. It was survival. It was also about survival and strength at that time because we played the game during the when the when Martha Luther King got assassinated and we went into the Martha Luther King riots that went on all over the globe. I remember being in the house sitting at my window watching the fires, the gangs and the beatings and the police and the tear gas and the glass and the bricks going through the windows and in the storefronts. And, and I can remember that very, very clearly. My brother at that time, my brother was in the war, in the Vietnam War. Mm. And there's seven of us in the family, six sisters, one boy. And I was the youngest. I was the only one that played sports. I used sports as a, as a way to help me cultivate a way to get out of Roxbury or have a better life. And, and, and so I gravitated to sports, but I came out of the army. I got an early honorable discharge from the United States Army to come back to Boston and play at Roxbury Community College and lead them to a national junior college national tournament where we played against Rosie Walker. Oh man. Yeah, Rosie had like 30 some points for Panola. I had like man. 25, 17 rebounds. She was Panola, I was Roxbury. We were in the nationals. I got hurt, mm. you know, cause I've suffered with back injuries since then and I remember going in the locker room back then their sports medicine and the technology of sports medicine and sports medicine modalities back then is nothing compared to what it is now you got hurt back then listen that was it, that was it. you had to get some ice put it in a napkin roll it up put it inside or get some gauze and keep it moving and it taught you resiliency it taught you absolutely mental toughness Marvin Gaye sings in what's going on lyrics. We don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer for only love can conquer hate. So, so we have to rise in gratitude to lift each other up, Michael, and not in hate. We must hold the country accountable, hold the country and hold the leadership of the country accountable. But you, you have to have conversations with people that don't look like you. Absolutely. You have to be able to conversate with the person on the other side of the desk or sitting in the other chair.
the world is made up of all kinds of people. You have to be able to coexist and get along with all kinds of people. You can't stay in a box. You can't stay on your side of the fence. You can't stay on your side of the line. And education. And education. The more we can educate, Michael, we don't have to accept this. We can change it. I was looking at the time when I was playing the game, an interesting time. You went to Lamar after community college. I went to Lamar University Mm. in Beaumont, Texas. A kid all the way from Roxbury, all the way to Texas. But I made a stop in California in Long Beach when I tried out for the semi-pro women's basketball team called the Adidas League. Annie Myers played in that league. Mm. Anita Ortega played in that league. Another WBL legend. Sharon Farrah, one of my WBL teammates. We all was in California trying out for that semi-pro league. And Mm. I made the team. I was the only African-American woman on that team. And the experience was tremendous. But I said, my position and mindset was, my mind shift was, this is my opportunity to make it. This is my opportunity to help change my life, change the world. If I can change my life, I can change the world. Because changing starts with you being willing to accept and be that social change agent. Be the change that you want to see. That's why you have this show, a tremendous show. And so I applaud your efforts. You had my colleague and mentor, Richard Lapchek, my Mm. dear friend and mentor. Down there in Florida. Yes. Mm. And his report card, racial report card, because we all know he is the human rights, civil rights, social consciousness of race relations, gender equity and equality in this globe. And he has done a phenomenal job in raising the percentages and helping to change the demographics and data that exist in professional sports and in the college ranks through his racial report card. Holding people accountable. And he's holding people accountable in this country. White people. Yes. As a white man, he's white. So everybody knows he's white. He's holding white people accountable. He's also educating, but he's saying, I'm white, but I care about people. I care about the values of what we have in this nation. I put together TIDES, the Institute for Diversity, because we have to educate people on this process. I put together the Institute for Sports and Social Justice, very relevant to what's happening because there wasn't a a, a social justice entity. We need that. We have social justice movements, the George Floyd movements, movements that have transcended the Trayvon Martin movements. That racial report card is holding people accountable to make sure they're hiring people of color and women and they get a letter grade. His data, as you know, that he releases annually, provides them with that grade based on the gender, people of color, the equality, and the demographics has improved over the years because he's holding them accountable. But we have to do, yes. (laughs) We have to continue to do more. Women's sports has taken 
a transformational movement. I'm very blessed and I thank God that I'm able to be here, share this moment with you, share this moment with the audience, to see history continue to evolve. Because if you wanna know where you're going, you have to first look to where you was. You always have to go back to history. Some things and some movements repeat themselves, but we see an evolving of a transformational process that's occurring with women, women's sports, women leadership roles, CEOs, Fortune 500 companies are hiring more women. So even though they need to hire more, we're still not at the top bar, but we're making progress. More women are at the boardroom, sitting at the table. Like, like you say, they deserve a seat at the table. To that thought, I want to ask you this because it just popped into my head. And you mentioned Dr. Richard Labchick. And so he was influenced heavily because of his father, who signed the first African-American ever in the history of the NBA. And Joe Lapchick. Yes, Joe Lapchick. And, and he, Celtics player. Yes. I, you know, I sat behind the bench in, right. in the Boston Garden. So Unbelievable. Red Allback, right. Joe Lapchick, Jojo White, John Havlicek. Yeah. But he, because of seeing things happen outside of his home, when people would protest uh, his father's decision, you know, back in a time when racism was publicly as at the forefront as any time in our history. He would be on the other line of the telephone at his house, hearing people say things when he was a kid that no kid should ever have to hear because his dad was standing up for what was right. And because of what he witnessed as a young boy, he dedicated the rest of his life to social injustice as a white ally. Before, like someone like me made a decision two years ago after the murder of George Floyd to be more of a public ally because it was easy now for me to do it because of people like Dr. Labchick and, and you and many others. So to that thought, why did you decide to coach and pay it forward in that way for so many years and obviously so many accolades that have come along with it? But those are just byproducts of what your true mission was during all this to accentuate representation because that's what it's really about besides all the other things we've talked about changing bylaws and 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 laws and and policies and and mindsets i really thought and felt that it was important for me to be able to inspire young girls who inspire to be coaches interesting that if they see someone that looks like themselves, they may be motivated to believe that they could do that too. Just like anything, if I see someone on the movie screen or TV screen that looks like me, I'm gonna believe that I could do that. I, I can be an actress, I can be a singer because they're doing it. And at, at a young age, I spent a lot of time thinking about, I wanna be somebody. I want to do something to change the world. How, how do I do that? And you love basketball so much. And you I, didn't want it to end after you were playing. Yeah. And I love basketball. I don't want this to end, but how do I put all that together? And, and so I just, you know, one of my history teachers, Judith Baker, who was at the time teaching at Madison Park High School, stopped by to see me because at, the, at that particular time I had suffered another back injury and I was paralyzed. 
for a couple of weeks playing in the pro league. And I was down for maybe three, four weeks. So she stopped by to see me and she said, look, when you get on your feet and you're feeling better, I'm over here at Madison Park High School. I need some help with these, with these kids. And I said, really? She said, yes. And I think you can come and coach. I says, well, but I want to keep playing. I had an opportunity to go overseas and sign another contract. Wait, is she white? Yes. Amazing. And so I had a chance to go overseas and sign another contract. So I'm thinking, no, I'm going to sign a contract. I'm leaving. When I, once I can start walking again, I get medication. I'm signing this contract and I'm going overseas. That didn't happen. I decided once I saw the doctor and the doctor said, look, if you continue to play, you're going to need back surgery and you'll never be able to walk again. So it was at that time and at that moment, I made a decision. I got dressed, put my sweats on, my sneakers, had a ball in my hand. I showed up at Madison Park High School wow. in her practice. And I says, Judith, or Judy as I call her, Coach Baker, I'm here. And we went and won the city championship that year. And I sent an All-American, a high school All-American. This was my first connection to Florida. I had a high school All-American, Valerie Avant, that helped lead that team to a championship. We went from 0 and 10 and turned the season around to like 26 and 10 or 24 and 10 and won the city championship to go to the state. And Valerie Avant was our All-American. And that was my connection to Florida. We sent her to the first Florida Community College. From there, she went to Old Dominion. Oh, Lord. So, so that started that historical connection with the game itself. But what did you learn from Coach that allowed you to be your authentic self? Well, I've learned a lot from a lot of different coaches. You know, I've had a lot of coaches, Judith Baker, Alfreda Harris, Steve Kowalowski in California, uh, Don Nelson, and, and Don Nelson and Satch Sanders coached me when I was in the best summer basketball yep. camp and Satch Sanders he's like my he's like a, a mentor and like a stepdad he mm. he trained me and and worked with me and I often have conversations just as a mentor and bend his ear what do you think about that Satch what do you what do you just try to get insight and and when he had his restaurant Satch's mm. right there on Tremont Street downtown Boston Satch's uh I'm just talking a little history here oh heck yeah but just, but, just don't talk about when Larry Bird stole the ball from Isaiah Thomas. Oh, and you that, guys beat my Pistons because I might have a coronary right here on the show. You, you might have a coronary. <laughs> that was a tremendous play. God uh, another it. great player uh, in Larry Bird and another great Celtics. But, but wow. all of those coaches that I've been fortunate to play for, I took a little bit of everything and a little bit of characteristics from all of them. And I says, here are all the characteristics. And these are all the things I don't want to be. These are the values I don't want to use. And here are all the values I want to cultivate. And I want to create my own style as a coach. Let me ask you a question, though, because you and I have both coached a long time. And I'm starting my 30th year this year. Coached 15 years on the men's side. And this is my 15th year on the girls' and women's side. And most of it at the college level. And I was a head community college uh, coach as well on the girls' side. <clears throat> and... You have a different philosophy than a lot of coaches that coach for a long time. And we're in alignment that way. A lot of them, there's a disconnect with the players over time because they don't want to adjust. And it's not that you had to be old school like Bobby Knight and just run motion. It's just more of 
we understood the grind. We understood true post play. We understood footwork and the importance of it. And now there's an instant gratification generation. So how did you stay relevant with your players over the course of time and have such a consistent way about yourself? Because uh, it's not easy to do for that long of a period of time. I find that amazing. Well, thank you. You know, I have over the years believed that your coaching philosophy, your mission, your focus as it relates to your culture that you're trying to establish. So you never wavered when it came to how you got them there. And you, you never, you never compromise your integrity right. and standards. Right. And, and you let them know that I've been just very fortunate over the years, 35, well, 39, 35 here, 35 at Miami Dade before I retired and four years at Roxbury Community College, all Americans, mm-hmm. players of the year, all national team, uh, players that went to the USA uh, Olympic trials, the USA Olympic sports festival trials, the WNBA uh, player, uh, ABL player, um, but graduates, 93% graduation rate and placement rate to division one universities and we're graduating kids every year for 35 years, not just one year, but every year, the graduation rate has been tremendous. And remember, you're a professor, I'm a professor. One of the things we have as a commonality, we, we're built differently. We have a different mindset as an educator in this profession because we're in the classroom and we work with a multitude of students on a regular basis. So the, so the level of integrity for education and higher education and the paradigm is very significant. And we, we use that and transcend that when we walk on the basketball court with the student athlete. Student comes before athlete. And you're here to get a degree because if the basketball goes flat, you can't dribble that ball anymore. But a degree never goes flat. You can always dribble your AA degree and you can always get a job if you get hurt and you're going through something. So I've been able and fortunate over the years to cultivate that culture, that philosophy that's been etched in stone. Players buy into it. They, right. they, they, they have to buy into it. They have to believe in it. And the other component is just the natural motivation. Well, yeah. I mean, you're authentic. And so that resonates with parents too. Yes. And when you help kids go to the next level, that's the only thing I ever said to the kids, take care of your business. I will take care of the rest and I will get you a scholarship, even if it's in the middle of nowhere. And you have to tell the player, we have, we're living in a different time. So there's a different athlete out there. Right. It's that's what I was asking, because in the yeah. beginning, you could probably yeah. just say, shut up and dribble. It's, and then it's, you couldn't do that in the later part generation. of your you know, You know, on some level, athletes today are they working as hard as they used to do they have the mental fortitude do they have the mental toughness do they have the resiliency are they playing the game with passion you have to ask yourself those questions i'm on phone calls with coaches across the country that ask me how do you do it how what are some of your strategies what you know do these kids these athletes they're not as tough they're not as resilient they're you know you sprain your baby finger <laughs> and and i'm i'm done well i mentioned earlier in the show we talked about resiliency 
and the ability to overcome challenges. And, and we all are faced with challenges every day. And as an athlete, a student athlete, one of the challenges they faced was trying to be a student athlete during a pandemic and, and feeling the impact of being isolated. Absolutely. From their teammates, from the world, from the community, from campus life. Well, and being around family members that may have tendencies to be more, a lot of things that aren't yes. always so positive. Absolutely. And, and of course, you're going to get a different type of athlete that's existing right now in this movement, in this trend that we see. Add in the legislative piece, the NCAA legislative piece that allows students to transfer in the portal and go in the portal and transfer oh boy. and allow students to actually make money off of their name. If you integrate those components in that new legislation right. during this time in sports, both on the women and men's side, it's going to also produce another dynamic. And you're referencing NILs and the name, image, and likeness, right? Which is now oh, allowed. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm referencing name, image, and likeness. It's happening yeah. already. And kids are transferring in the portal when they're having the mindset, well, I don't know if I want to stay here. So guess what? <laughs> I'm just going to transfer. I'm not even going to try to make it work. I'm not going to, I don't need to try to make it work because I now have the option to get out. And that's the pushback from a lot of old school coaches is you didn't even give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it, trends, trends, yeah, trends, we see an evolution of trends, but I've been fortunate. Um, I mm -hmm. remember being at Lamar University. I had just won the Babe Dickerson Saharius Outstanding Scholar Athlete Award. Became the first African-American student athlete at that institution to win that award. And my portrait was bronze plated in the famous Babe Dickerson Saharis Museum. I had just set an individual single game scoring college record at 43 points in one game against McNeese State. Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars, <laughs> you know, the WBL came into existence in 79. I was still in college. Amazing. I was going to be a senior. And I thought, I don't know. I, I need to go to a big school to get drafted. I was always hung up on, I need to go to UCLA or USC. I need to go to a big school because if I go to a big school that has a lot of money, I'm going to become a name. I need to go to a name university with a name coach. Well, UCLA had a pretty good player. Ann Myers, amazing player. Absolutely. And that didn't happen. So mm -hmm. I said, when I went out to the summer league in California, I had some incredible games out there and mm. there was a coach, a division one coach in the stands. Her name was Cindy Russo. Wow. And she came up to me and she said, look, I don't know if you signed with anyone, but I've been watching your game in this Adidas league and you're one heck of a player. You could play this game. I said, yes, I can. <laughs> if someone gives me an opportunity, I can help lead you to a national tournament. And she came back to watch me play in the next game. And at the end of the game, she said, look, I'm taking the job at Lamar University. I'm leaving wow. FIU. I'm leaving FIU. I'm taking the job at Lamar University 
and I want you to be my starting guard. And at that point, I didn't know what the scholarship entailed. I just knew as a kid from Roxbury. Wow, what a had story. No way, had no way of paying for an education. I was using financial aid. <laughs> I, my parents couldn't afford to help me. We was on welfare. I said, I have to do this. I'm making a life for myself. I want to be somebody. I want to change the world. I said, I don't, I don't know what you have. And she gave me a full scholarship. She sent it to me. I signed it. And within, I don't know, a week, I flew out to Texas. I didn't know, I didn't know who I would know. I, I didn't know anyone. It was a long way. It was a chance I was taking. It was a risk. But I was a risk taker. I was an adventurer. I was tough. I was resilient. I grew up during the riots. Right. Um, you know, I I grew up watching people get stabbed and, you know, mm. watching fights and 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 I grew up at a time when I developed such a high level of resilience and motivation and passion that I said, I'm going to Texas. And that's mm. what I did. And I moved in campus at Lamar University and I ended up playing for that women's team, running track, helping the track team go to the state. Uh, on the relay team, uh, setting an individual college single game scoring record that stood for about 15 years in college women's basketball history. If people go back and look and go, wait a minute, that stood for, that stood for almost 15 years until Cheryl Swoops came along mm -hmm. at Texas Tech with Marsha Shop mm -hmm. and scored 52 points off that pick and roll on the perimeter. That flat flare screen, they ran that all night long, flat flare screen yeah. shows would pop and either dive and drive or pop to the three. Yeah. So I grew up at, time, at a time at Lamar, my portraits bronze plated in there. They gave me an award, a gold medallion. I had a full scholarship and I had a part-time job at Sears Auto Body Stop. <laughs> I was working at an auto gas station. Unreal pumping gas and did they have full service back then excuse me did they have full service back then they had full service back then nobody even knows what full service is nowadays no not at all i had full service i had to go up to the gas tank take the gas just off and pump <laughs> gas and get grease on my hands grease on my pants change clothes and get ready for practice so people <laughs> listening full service is you had a choice just either you pump it yourself or the person or, pumps it for you that works there Absolutely. That's and so what, that was an option. That was full. Why service. is that not an option anymore with Uber Eats and Uber DoorDash? Eats. Why DoorDash is there not full service gasoline anymore? And maybe it's still a law in New Jersey. I don't know, but man, and, that would be maybe great. Just wipe the card, or you could just tap the card now. I, I don't know. Just tap the <laughs> card. And tap the card. I have a full tank of gas. But, but I was in that auto body shop, Sears Auto Body, with I a bunch of guys. I would imagine. I remember being inside the office when the phone rang and the WBL was holding their draft. Oh boy. And I thought, and at that time I was ranked number two in the state of Texas behind Rosie Walker. Rosie Walker was number one for Stephen F. Austin. And I was number two behind Rosie Walker in the state of Texas. And I think here's a kid from Roxbury that nobody knew, no name. I didn't go to a name university. At the time, I didn't play for a name coach, although she's one of the top name coaches, legendaries now, Cindy yep. Russo. Yep. But I didn't have any of that. I didn't have, no one knew my name, but mm -hmm. I said, I'm gonna make a name for myself. 
And that's what I did at Lamar. And when the phone rang and they said, there's a phone call for you. I said, who's calling me? I'm at work. I got to do this gas. They said, there's a phone call for you. And they're calling from what they call the WBL Women's Professional <laughs> Basketball Draft. And I, I said, what? The draft? And I said, they probably got the wrong number. And I said, hang up, because I don't want to get fired. I, I need this part-time job. And they call back. <laughs> Thank God they called they call back. Thank God they called back, right. And it was Kathy Mazzolino and the GM from mm. the New Jersey Gems. Unreal. And they said, is this Susan Summons? I took the call. They said, is this Susan Summons? I said, yes. Is this Susan Summons that was ranked number two in the state of Texas in scoring? Five nine, <laughs> athletic guard. <laughs> can jump out the gym with a mean crossover <laughs> what a mean crossover we've watched film on you we've heard about you i said this is she how can i help you because i have to go back to work they said this is <laughs> kathy mazzaleno i'm here with my gm and you've just been drafted in the wbl of the third round and you're getting ready to play women's professional basketball for the new jersey gems unreal and i thought this is unreal this this is this is not happening this is a dream come true I forfeited for that dream my senior year of college. Wow, unbelievable. I forfeited for that dream. It's a good thing you did. Yes, I took a risk and I forfeited my senior year of college, all paid for, to fly back to Boston. I called Satch Sanders mm. and I said, listen, Satch, I've just been drafted. I called the newspapers. I've just been drafted. He said, Drafted, yes, in the first historical women's pro league in the United States, the WBL. I'm, get, I'm going pro. I need you to train me. And that's what he did. Mm. Two, three times a week before I left for training camp in New Jersey. Um, and went to the training camp, got hurt on the second day, was playing against Olympians. Cal Blajowski was there from Montclair right. State, the Blaze. Yep. You know, we're good friends. Yep. Uh, Jill Jeffrey, Gail Marquis, the 1976 Olympian. There were some Olympians in the house. First Olympics in the history of women's basketball. Yes, yeah. first Olympics. And, and, I, and I took a hit. And they weren't playing because they were trying to make the team. And I took a hit, almost took me out. And I went in the back in that locker room. And I said, you know what? <laughs> and I can either stay in the locker room or I can come out here and show them just how tough I am because this is my dream. And I can't turn back now. I have to be strong. And I put some gauze inside my mouth. <laughs> I wiped I the it. blood up. I got some ice. I went back out there. Unreal. And and game on. Game on. That was it. And I and I made it through the next three training days. Made the team. Played in one game. Then New England. I had a name up in New England. Yep. You know, I was balling up there. Uh, all the community centers, Hartford, Connecticut, Rhode Island. And so it was just amazing. And so New England got a franchise. They brought in Jim Luskatoff from the Boston Celtics, the hatchet mm. man, as he was called. Yep. when He played for the Boston Celtics. And he said, that's your coach. He got on the phone and he said, we just picked you up. We need you. You're a franchise player. That night I packed up flew back to Boston and I was a New England girl in uniform for the next games and for the rest of the season. And then that Man. year, the league folded. Right. That's what I was saying. 
so everybody knows why it was good thing that you left that senior year because you only had one one year. Yes. Amazing. So, yeah. And so after Lenique folded, I spent time with my agent and lawyer to try to recover money from the contract that I had. Yeah. I was able to recover some of it. And then I decided I've got to get my degree. So I got a job as a law enforcement agent. Mm-hmm. And I went to college on the weekend. I worked during the day at full time. And on the weekend, I went to college at New Hampshire College. I would drive to New Hampshire from Boston Saturday and Sunday morning in the snow every weekend for a year and a half to get my bachelor's degree. And in the midst of that, a position opened up for me to go into teaching and to start the health and wellness and science program at Roxbury Community College. They got a new president. Uh, I had turned in a resume. They said, listen, we're very interested in talking to you. Uh, They hadn't called. So I decided to start my own fitness business in Mm. the basement, in the basement (laughs) of the community college. I rented a room. I rented a room, started Love Your Body Fitness. Wow. And I was training and I was still working on my degree. And then they switched presidents again. I took an opportunity to present my stuff and uh, I got an interview and uh, I graduated with my bachelor's. Mm. They offered me the job and I came in and started and founded their health and science program as it is today. And the same time that happened, a coaching position opened up. They had wanted me to coach and I turned it down the first time. They offered me again the second time and I accepted it. And I became the head coach at Roxbury Community College and led them to the Nationals, led them to the Nationals as a junior college All-American, came back and led them to the Nationals as a coach. Um, so that's some of the history there. And, Amazing. and um, you know, in order to understand the, the magnitude of this country and the magnitude of who you are as an individual in relation to racism, gender equality, and how everything cultivates and exists and coexists. I think it's important that you understand who you are in relation to people and understanding humility and self-awareness and emotional, the emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Of understanding how you react to the people that are around you. And that's very, very relevant um, as it relates to being a success and achieving. Well, and you didn't try and fix everything at once. You allowed the journey to uh, help you be a better version of yourself as time went on. Because, you know, it is a continuous process as an educator to be the best version of yourself every day because it, it's, it's a continuous thing. It's, it's always evolving. And your players and your, and your students saw that. I think what's important as it relates to evolving and the consistency of being your better self. There was an experience that I had. I was traveling. I was with USA Basketball. And if I had allowed that experience to cause or be a distraction from the focus and the goal I had of being a top educator or a top sports personality or a top national speaker or just being that person that inspires others, I wouldn't be here today if I had allowed that moment to compromise my integrity and principles as a human being and cause me to lose my focus because people are watching me. Other African-American students are watching me. Other African-American colleagues are watching me and they're seeing what I'm going to do 
Are you saying there was temptations to go down the wrong path? Or and, there was temp and there was temptations to, to address issues and incidents that, that could have really magnified hmm. into a dynamic that may have been, that may have had repercussions. Right. You know what? Sometimes you have to pick and choose the battles. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. That are very important. Now, there are some battles that are just not worth fighting. Or not, you know not at the right time. Not at the right time. You have to pick and choose the time and pick and choose the moment. That's appropriate and that's right for you to address that issue. And 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 I will say that everything always comes back full circle. The cycle always comes back and gives you an opportunity to address that very issue that maybe you did not address five years ago because the time and the moment wasn't right. But when I get, when I, when I get receive a phone call and someone says to me, you have inspired me. You have no idea that you inspired me. I watched you 15 years ago. And that's why I wanted to be a coach mm -hmm. because of you. You didn't say much, but it was how you handled mm -hmm your situation it was the way you handled and maneuvered absolutely your, your dynamic and, and through so space I, through spaces that quite honestly oftentimes you're not allowed in absolutely absolutely there are spaces you know and i know i've experienced those spaces well and, usa basketball and basketball in the usa are better off because of people like you and so let's let's a, let's ask a couple of rapid fire questions because that's the fun part of the show. And then I'll leave the stage for you to finish up with anything else that you want to touch on. Okay, so Alan Iverson or Tim Hardaway's crossover? Tim Hardaway crossover, <laughs> Alan Iverson. I love both of them. Tim Hardaway is a good friend of mine. Shout out to Tim Hardaway uh, and his son. I've crossed over and shot some hoops with Tim in the gym right here in Miami, Florida. Their it. crossovers are deaf. They're low. They're quick. They're yeah, tight. But, but Tim's Tim went through his legs oftentimes first before he would cross over and get you leaning one way. Allen's was just sort of a, a slap, you know, a da, 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 and, you know, a little bit different in, in how they set it up. But, but you got to, you know, you got to give me that answer. And I've I've DM Tim also, but he, he hasn't responded. But I'm sure he gets nine million DMs. Oh, he I'm sure. But listen, when you get him, hey, Tim, shout out to Tim. Hardaway. But yeah, the crossover is sick breaking ankles, love both of them. But Allen Iverson, you know, he, he had a little bit, you know, he had that extra speed. He had that explosive, yeah, his, his speed was, his explosive acceleration. I never seen anyone get downhill that fast. So exactly, how, how can you get downhill without <laughs> falling down? Right, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Zeke or Steph Curry? Oh, Steph Curry. Man, this year has really set him apart. If it wasn't, if it wasn't a whole transformational kind of career already, yeah, he, he just I'm, hit fifty. Geez. He just hit fifty-four points the other night. Even though Golden State lost, he he fifty-four. But this guy is shooting. He's shooting from space. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before, but they, he sure is. He, he listen. He's shooting oh, enough. God bless. Space, and I would love to see Stefan and Reggie Miller, and Ray Allen. What yeah, he exactly. does with the basketball and something else. He's in such great shape. Great shape. He's in. In order to do what he's doing, and we know from a health and science perspective, right? 
physically, he's got to be in very, very good shape. The only one I saw like that in my lifetime is uh, Steve Nash, current head coach of yes, the Brooklyn Nets. Nash. He could get on a treadmill for an hour at top speed on an incline and never get tired. And so, yes. you know, it takes a special commitment. And listen, he'd take his hair back and, you know, I don't know how he does it with the crossovers. His <laughs> flopping in his head and he's still hitting the shots, taking you off the bounce and finishing. Come on, Steve. Unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch, um, you know, Steph. Because if you think about it, Wilt did his thing. And then, MJ, yeah, and then, and then, and MJ did his thing, right? And Larry and, and Magic, and not necessarily in that order. And now, Steph, right? We, we've had a few transformational players, but uh, I just didn't think Steph was going to be the one coming from Davidson, but he's been amazing. MJ or LeBron? MJ and LeBron. For different reasons, I'm sure. For Favorite different Bloom? reasons. Yeah, for different reasons. Yeah. LeBron's yeah. a lot more of an advocate. There'll never like be that. another Michael Jordan. Yeah, there'll never be another MJ. What, what he what he did was unbelievable. But listen, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, during the hundred billboard, hundred hot one hundred billboards. Yeah. Nineteen sixty eight. What were some of the top records in music out? Oh my God! The only thing I remember about sixty eight was Denny McLean won okay. thirty games. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Yellow Submarine. I have. Yes, no Yellow Submarine. Yes, you were right. How about this one? What about the Beatles? What about the say, Beatles? Right. Hey Jude. Wow. How about this one? What is a music and a lyric? One of the music that changed and transcend movement in the history of social justice was what? Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. By James Brown. Hey. That record changed the whole dynamics of social justice for African-Americans in 1968. It was a great time. You see history repeat itself. You see history evolving and you see the evolution of women's sports evolving. Great leaders. The WNBA was celebrating Title IX. 50 years was celebrating the WNBA. They got $75 million in funding. They got Nike, Nike women, MJ, Michael Jordan, the investment. They're here to stay. But guess what? WBL meet the WNBA. Oh, WNBA meet the WBL. Absolutely. I love it. Can't thank you enough for uh, spending time with us today. I'm asking one last question because, you know, you, you said that uh, in closing and it's really important that the, the, because we know the men's history, but we don't know the women's history. And Elizabeth Galloway McQuitter always talks about this, that we need to know the women's history more. And so I'm just doing my part uh, to heavily bet on women on this show. So if you could have five people at your dinner table, past or present, dead or alive, who would be at your dinner table? Pathead, Summit. Uh, popular answer. Sue Gunter. Recently, another popular answer. Cindy Russo. Wow. You, men have, you mentioned Dr. Richard Lapchick. I, I'd be remiss I if have, I didn't mention Judy Sweet has been on this show a couple of times. Yes, and, I know Judy. The importance of, of her work. Um, oh, absolutely. Her work is, has been tremendous for women's sports. I would have um, Donna Lupiano. She is the former executive director for the Women's Sports Foundation. She's a oh. of the foundation in Title IX and, and for women's sports and equity and gender equity. Donna Lupiano. Um, Billie, Billie Jean King's foundation. And, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I would probably have Billie Jean King. Uh, at my table as well. I mean, what she's done for women's sports. Oh. She had that tennis match, Battle of the Sexes. Right. 
We all remember that match. Battle of the Sexes changed everything and transcended women's sports and women's gender and women's equity. Amazing. Well, sharing space with you was uh, incredible. Waffles, pancakes, or French toast to close it out? Well, I would definitely go with uh, the, 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 the pancakes. And I would certainly say to you, uh, Michael, it's been a joy. And I've been honored to be uh, on your show today. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. I hope your listeners uh, go away with one takeaway. and probably a very different, unique type of show today. But uh, we certainly wanted to change the fabric of this country. And I, I think we did that today. And so, uh, and also at the same time, raise the bar for women's sports, women empowering women more and improving gender equality and equality in the workplace is paramount. It starts with you, your voice as a woman, your voice as a leader and commanding, having purpose and going after what you want and saying what you want. And don't be afraid to ask what you want. Well, I'm glad you said that because I said this a couple of times on the show, but Muffin McGraw talked about this a couple of years ago before One she retired. Yeah. Right. And she was in the WBL and not many people know about that. And, and I mentioned her on the last show with Rosie, but she said something that was interesting that more men, especially need to advocate for women, especially in women's basketball, because women, a lot of times won't even apply for the job that a man will, because they have to have every box checked. And so you don't have to have every box checked, just freaking apply. Just the and That's you never it. know. You, you, most of it's on the job anyways. And you're you're probably better than the guy in the women's game, to be quite honest with you. Let's just be yeah, real. Absolutely. And we, 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 we see all the different changes and the evolution of what's happening now. The NBA is now hiring women in the sport, in a men's sport. They're hiring absolutely. women. Becky Hammond. We, you know, we're looking at the coaches that are coming up. So and it, it may not have any. Yes, it may not have anything with the application, but put the application in. You may see me, you might see Susan Summons in the NBA on the sideline in, with the Lakers. You, you never know, you have to apply. But listen, Sports Daily Podcast, anyone who's in Boston, if you're in Dudley Station or Dudley Square as they call it, there's a great sub down there, sub restaurant, it's called Spinelli's. Stop by, pick Absolutely. up a sub there in their deli. In the meantime, much applaud and shout out to Absolutely. my friend, Michael, I appreciate you. This is a wonderful show. And uh, for anyone who's listening, who's watched the show today, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you walk away with some enriching components that allow you to step up your game and be that better person as it relates to humanity and accepting people for who they are and raising the bar and, and holding the country accountable for racial harmony not racial divide. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Oh, much love and respect. And love definitely is the answer. It's uh, one of the foundational pieces to anything that we do. And I can't thank you enough for your time. It's valuable. And you're, you're, you're doing so many things. You got amazing things in the background there. I see you have a championship net over your right shoulder. You got the WNBA plaque over your left shoulder. You got that ring <laughs> on that right hand. I love it. And if, yeah. if any, anyone needs to, how can they find me? They could follow yes. me on Susan Summons Facebook. They could follow me on Susan Summons Instagram, Susan Summons Twitter. Um, they can subscribe to my Susan Summons YouTube channel. And uh, that's how they can find me and locate me. Or they can go to the website, SusanSummonsSpeaks.com. I love it. 
Oh Thank man. You, awesome stuff. Have a, oh, have awesome. a beautiful week. I can't wait to, to hear the feedback from everybody oh, about this. Absolutely. One. This was, and let's get together powerful. and have a, let's get together and have a deli sandwich sometime. Yes. Have you ever been to the rascal house? No. <gasps> In Miami? No. Oh, wow. Where's it located? Oh, I don't I remember. I used to go there all the time with well, my great grandmother. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna locate it today. Oh man, fire. I'm gonna locate it. it today. Definitely. All right. Take care. Shoot them straight, everybody. I'll try to. All right. Yes. Much love. All right. Much Talk love. to you soon. All right, everybody. Thanks for sharing space with us today. We we truly hoped you enjoyed that amazing interview. Remember, everyone, Black Lives Matter. Stop the bullying. Stop the Asian hate. Contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized. Also, everyone, we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for nonviolent offenses, in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community. And I want to send a shout out to 40tons.co. 40 Tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand. And they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice, in particular for cannabis prisoners. So check them out again at 40, the number four, the number zero, tons, plural, 40tons.co because what they're doing in the cannabis space and being a socially conscious company is truly incredible and uh, they have my full support. And also wanted to remind all of you, if you're having a tough time, you can always call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline and that number is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. And they are available 24-7, 365 days a year. You can also always check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok, at Mike Hootner. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, Breaking Tea, Sport RX, PSK Collective, City Lokes, and Moolah Kicks, which you can see right here up on the screen. You can search them online at BreakingTea.com, SportRx.com, PSKCollective.com, MoolahKicks.com, and CityLokes.com. And if you'd like to support us at the Sports Deli, we'd love to have you either make a one-time donation or feel free to make a donation monthly, either $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. If you have uh, questions about that, Send me an email again to thesportsdeli at gmail.com and I will send you the link on how you can do that. Uh, You can also find it at the bottom of every podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. Link at the bottom to support the show. Please check out our website at thesportsdelipodcast.com. Make sure that we continue the conversations with regards to three strikes and you're out and mandatory minimums, especially people that are in jail for nonviolent offenses. So those things need to change. Until next time, remember it takes a village. For Dr. J and Coach K, I'm Hootie Hoot. This has been a production of Hootie Hoot Productions. Thank you for joining us in the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. 
Remember, it takes a village. Much love, everybody.